Welcome to the Evolution Exchange. Uh, the Evolution Exchange is a platform for thought leaders within tech and fintech to share ideas on current topics of relevance to our community of technology and business followers. Today, we're going to discuss a particular poignant, particularly poignant topic, topic at the moment, leadership in a downturn. Um, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Ashley Selimans and Khaled Benguba. Um, Ashley is currently an advisor for 6-1, um, multiple years of experience across consulting, banking, fintech, leading as an advisor in the room, um, facilitating and advising businesses to enable their growth um, with extensive experience in organizational expansion and leadership. And Khaled is the founder and CEO of a fintech startup, Dobin. Um, fintech entrepreneur and data enthusiast, um, an ex-senior leader at Visa, um, and previously spent 20 years in banking and in payments, building teams, launching products, closing deals. Um, so delighted to be joined by um, both Ashley and Khaled. Um, I'll ask you to do a quick introduction on yourselves before we we kick into the questions and, and the topic that we're discussing today. Um, so Ashley, do you want to um, make a quick intro on yourself? Yeah, thanks very much, and thanks for the opportunity to um, have you know the chance to discuss uh, particularly pertinent given the current environment. So, look, I, I I guess just in terms of some of the angle, and particularly your business as well, um, I have a, a technology background per se. A number of years ago, I used to fly communication satellites out at an earth station in Australia, and and sort of spent the sort of majority of my career after that uh, working on the commercial business and the human side of, um, you know, sort of helping businesses enhance, you know, and that's uh, been a combination of leadership in corporate and startup contexts mm. and sort of essentially finding those opportunities for improvement, you know, and I think all of us as leaders work and change in some way and that's sort of been a bit of a passion. So I've gravitated sort of to that point and, and it, I expect like most people sort of at my age or otherwise uh, have experienced more than one downturn as well. So leading in a downturn is a great topic. So thanks for the invite. Fantastic. Thanks, Ashley. And Khaled, um, a bit of an introduction on yourself. Thank you, Jake. Thank you for this opportunity to share um, yeah, some observation uh, on how this roller coaster year has been so far. So. I, as you mentioned, I spent 20 years in, in financial services, and you can think about it as splitting two halves. I was an investment banker for 10 years, and I've been working for in payment in the payment space for the last 10 years with American Express and Visa. Earlier this year, I gained enough conviction that there was there was like a large value capture in the open finance AI space, which is basically a business I, I launched and grew at Visa for APAC to leave the corporate world after 20 years and launch my own startup, which has been uh, fulfilling and, and challenging in this current environment. Um, so I'm the CEO and co-founder of Dobbin. In a nutshell, it's a startup, fintech startup that helps people gain control over their finances and most importantly, extract tangible value with from that data. And that tangible value would be around making savings on their spend, getting the best uh, deals on, on loans and getting maximizing rewards, which we believe is, uh, is a strong proposition for, for our target customers. Uh, in the, the context of this, uh, of this discussion, I will share you know, my experience this year, but I'll also rely on my experience in the last three years uh, during the COVID um, you know, period and how I contrast what uh, has happened and how we, we kept the teams motivated. Fantastic. Thanks, Khaled. 
Um, so yeah, delighted to have you both with us. Now, really pleased we got the opportunity to to have this discussion. Um, I guess if we jump straight into the questions, um, and I guess first question: How have the priorities of leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the end of 2022, uh, given the prevailing market conditions? So, after the last week or so, I think particularly poignant question. But if we start with Khaled, um, so how have the priorities of leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the end of 2022? Um, what What are your thoughts, Khaled? Yes, actually, it's a great question because it's very uh, topical. When my hypothesis, going in hypothesis, when I launched uh, Dobbin earlier this year, was that uh, it's a fintech startup, it's in a very dynamic space, and hence growth should be the focus. Uh, because if you don't run fast enough, you will be outcompeted. Um, but actually, as the, the year progressed, what became um, obvious was that sustainability of the business is what should be the focus. Well, at least it should be like a balancing act, how to get enough growth, but not too much growth so that your business is sustainable. And I would impact the sustainability around two main areas. One is cash. So whatever like cash you have in bank should obviously hopefully last for longer so that you, you can cater for the, the lack of, uh, of future investment or like a slow uh, in raising uh, funding, fundraising going forward uh, as the uh, the environment tightens. The second is is around the hiring talent um, to basically what well, hiring talent at the right level to basically get a head start for for potential people who are going to be superstars in a year time yet they're affordable today. Uh, so cash and focus on talent have been like the two kind of driving factors for sustainability for me, at least. Mm, yeah, thanks. I think that's really, really interesting and really relevant and kind of mirrors some of the conversations we've had um, with some of our uh, startup clients who perhaps were, you know, well-funded at Series A to B level at the beginning of the year. And the message over the last 18 months from, um, you know, PEVC investors has been grow, grow, grow. And that message seems to have almost pivoted 180 over the past one to three months um, to, you know, what, what's the route to profitability. Um, so I think that's that's really um, insightful. Um, Ashley, um, same question. Um, how the priorities of leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the end of 2022. Yeah, thanks. And 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 I guess just to mark uh, before answering directly, um, the sort of context of that external pressure is is almost compounded and magnified. And I think if we sort of put the combination of you know trading COVID recovery, unseen geopolitical, uh, you know, still more models being employed and sort of. Uh, disrupting the economic instability and volatility speed now. It's sort of way faster where we're seeing a lot more of that movement happening. Um, certainly, we've still got this major inadequate traction around things like ESG and climate change, and particularly this massive wellness deficit where it's almost a hangover from what hasn't been done over time, plus the COVID intensity. And now we've got also major regulatory shifts compounding in as well to say, right, how do we make this a safe and sustainable system? So so those, in terms of all the priorities, you know, businesses aren't here for one year. I mean, they're sort of focusing on a long-term play. And now all of a sudden that's really put the bite in, which means narrowing the margin of error or any call we make, you know, and as 
Carlin said, with cash, that now has to be best bang for buck and the most important thing. Uh, but uh, my kind of sense is right now, this, this sort of mindset shift, it's a real test of sort of mindset and resilience. You know, my sense around focus, you know, is certainly a major shift toward responsible and sustainable operation. You know, so three things generally, runway, as Khalid said, you know, sort of cash, sustaining the revenue, brutal prioritization around what's happening, you know, and of course, sustainable funding as you can go forward with a potential degree of independence. Um, you know, massive priority on relationships. You can't party with everyone. You still need to tie into the ecosystem and what's the best bang for buck, both staff, customers, investors, etc. And then this real deep focus on resilience. I mean, there's some businesses that um, aren't as clear on sort of how deep this risk can play on their business um, and making sure you've got that safety net just around the ability to sort of navigate some of this, you know, whether that's in the rules and controls you'll have or the predictive ability to know sort of when the no-go factors are and, you know, when the business is truly atrophying. So so that that for me is the mindset shift. It's, uh, you know, we had a sort of thrive mentality, as you mentioned, you know, there's growth and fortune and, you know, things were being made when money was cheaper, of course, and, and, and now there's a much more cautious uh, and calculated approach, both from funders and players as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I think it kind of leads us nicely into the next question um, around how do you motivate your teams in the face of layoffs or um, rhetoric indicating um, negative market sentiment? Um, and I think, you know, I've, I think it, within about five minutes of Mark Zuckerberg's email being sent around to the Facebook um globe it was posted online and everyone had visibility of that um and i think that would be an example of maybe how um a senior leader within a you know huge um multinational organization which has experienced incomprehensible growth over the last 10 15 years is trying to manage um teams in the face of you know, negative market market sentiment, which has led the business to the first major layoffs um, in in its history. So, I guess how how do you motivate teams? And I guess we're t we're talking primarily on current incumbents in the face of adversity. How do you motivate teams in the face of of this um, you know negative market sentiment that seems to be um, you know posted, reposted, and reposted again um, at the moment? Um, Khaled, what what are your thoughts? So I would say um, I'd actually unpack your question split it into um, different buckets. So being an early stage startup, like launched earlier this year, uh, I would speak to new joiners. How, how, did we, how, how did we attract talent in this current environment? Uh, and the second you know, part of the question is how did we retain and motivate existing? Once they've joined us, how did, did we keep motivating them? So in terms of attracting talent, Despite, I would say, the year was split in two halves. The first half, there was an overheat around tech talent, for instance, a lot of competition in the marketplace, Web3 driving some of it, uh, but also globalization of workforce, uh, you know, people sitting in whatever part of the world being able to be employed by you know, a company in, in the other side of the, of the globe uh, had made the, um, the competing battlefield uh, really global. Um, and hence, the challenge there was to convince people that you had the right company for them to pick from, you know, uh, multiple choices. 
The second half of the year where companies started, you know, to, to lay off, uh, we saw a different trend whereby, for instance, marketing people uh, started losing that job because of the lack of focus on growth and focus on profitability. The first uh, department you cut is, is marketing, obviously. And hence, there was an oversupply of, of talent in the marketplace, yet you still need to motivate them because that they would have quit maybe a job they like and they would have been traumatized. And you want to uh, to convince them that you're not the next uh, business that's going to lay off and and um, and downsize. Now, to answer the question, to to motivate both population, both populations through the year, be it new joiners uh, or actually focusing on new joiners, uh, the simple answer is purpose-driven company. So, convey the sense that what we're doing is beyond just a job, especially as a startup like with limited resources. It's a mission and, you know, your talent needs to, to kind of uh, align with your vision uh, around that. They want to build something that may, makes sense. And I love what Ashley was, was talking about around sustainability and uh, global warming and like being more, more conscious about uh, the environment, broadly speaking. The, the second thing, which I heard more so from people who lost their job jobs uh, even recently, is clear vision. And what that means is, Many of the big giant tech giants that have fired people were in overheat of hiring, and then they were like in a, in, in, a, in a crazy mode of grow, 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 uh, with a lot of uh, different bets. Um, and hence, there was like a sense of blurry vision from management that you know, people got lost into even before losing their jobs. And hence, they when you try to convince them to join you, uh, the big, uh, the big. Um, in the biggest uh, winning proposition is that you have a clear vision and a clear execution path. Lastly, and, and then, you know, we'd love to hear um, Ashley's perspective, how to retain people. I, I'm going to be very pragmatic here and a couple of snippets. One is remuneration. So we, for instance, had to up the uh, salaries of existing talent, not because they threatened to leave, but just because we want to give them a sweetener and to thank them for the extra effort that they, they've been making. Second is time off, uh, which is not which, which was not planned, but we give it as a, as, a, as a token for our appreciation as well. So take the next week off because the, the last three, four, five weeks were, were hectic. Uh, and this resonated with the existing uh, workforce. We treat them well, so that's what they did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Ashley, what, what are your thoughts on motivating teams in the face of negative sentiment or or even layoffs yeah thank you and and, and Kelly, I, I love your point on purpose uh i think this is going to be a key differentiator in terms of glue that keeps people um that care factor is about you know why they're there you know and what that means you know and i think it's an important one look i i i think at a leadership level there's sort of one point about maintaining your own motivation and energy so making sure that, you know, you're looking in, you know, not a denial or, or ignorance aspect or sort of not coping, you know, defeated mode. And I think that's one of the most important pieces of the energy piece. That's not not the only answer. I mean, it's interesting as we talk about, you know, how transparent one becomes if this note's gone around, that's it. People hear it. But the gravity or the impact of some of these calls aren't necessarily understood. You know, and I think it's very easy to sort of uh, pitch a message that doesn't necessarily say, what does that really mean for you, your team and others, and what's the process? And often when these things are being done very fast, they can be done quite sloppily. 
and you know the sort of ability to be able to communicate in the most careful way isn't always available so you know it's the sort of trust transparency and glue that sits behind before that message has even gone out or before those conversations can even happen where the real trust exists so i think some of this motivation in a downturn is about how motivated have you had people in the first place and i think you know these there's a lot of stuff that we could probably read in textbooks you know from you know the tra transparency but particularly kind of sharing what you can and sharing what you can't and i think it's important to get people you know on the call uh doing pulse checking you know kind of someone's whispered that such and such has got a real issue here you know their mum's sick or blah 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 and actually starting to understand that which is much easier in a smaller business but even in your team i think when some of the re uh, responses and the actions that we need to take around a downturn type situation there generally is a you know a sort of rally of some activity around either prioritizing deprioritizing uh starting to do something else and i think there's a real opportunity to rally some of that care around those initiatives. So having people sort of take some ownership around the problem, you know, and your point, Gellert, if people were going to sort of take some time out or, you know, sort of start to rotate on certain items, but get, you know, a nice, um, I guess, diverse contribution to some of those issues so that you've got a good sense of ownership around the problem. And, you know, and I think there's kind of one thing, particularly in, you know, the sort of smaller business experience, you know, and that is that people will look to the leader and um, the leader needs to bring everyone along with this. And, 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 you know, it can be an easy habit to say this, you know, this party needs, needs to look after me. And I think this is where there's a real opportunity to sort of rally around a crisis. And, you know, fundamental things, leading by example, oftentimes in a situation like this, you need to get in and get things started as a leader. <laughs> do the first part of the deck, do something before the team have even had to start it. Celebrating this, you know, the small wins, you know, I've had situations where we're working through, you know, a downside, in, you know, in a particular player where a short message comes in and it just says, by the way, that was excellent, what, you know, what you did in the meeting. It just those little cues can be just that slight motivating factor that will help people, you know, and I think um, uh, collaborating noisily around this, sort of making some noise, you know, across the business on what is most important. If that clarity is not there, uncertainty exists, people get ambiguous, and then you start to get the conspiracy theories. So that, you know, backed by, you know, absolute real support, like Khaled has sort of exemplified giving people days off or rest, and it may mean money in some cases, it might just mean a chat, um, you know, so that they can sort of reassert their mindset around the fact that this is not, uh, this is not the end, this is part of growing a business. Every business has cycles, you know, our weather has cycles. And, and, and we keeping people's mind, you know, in that space of possibility and sort of how this can become part of the journey. Now, I know the gravity of some of the crisis is very hard to do that. Uh, it's our job to at least help people understand what they can influence and uh, help them along the way. Yeah, fantastic. Um, any, any additional thoughts on that, Khaled, or should we move on to the, the next question? No, I guess... Uh... I guess just to build up on, on what Ashley said, um, I think transparency is, is super important and uh, there is nothing more harmful than people having second guesses and not trusting the leader. So I think being authentic is always important to, to, to build yourself as, as a leader, but in this current environment it's even more important because people are, have, you know, are more worried than, than you know, the, the, the normal times. Um, so, so hence, um, you know, transparency and empathy 
which is probably a better word to, to summarize giving you know, time off or giving a little bit more remuneration. And the remuneration component is because we're hiring less aggressively, but we have as much work as we planned initially. Hence, people are working harder and you need to you know, show them that you, you basically compensate them for that, even if it means that you're hurting your bottom line, but it's a win-win for both parties. Absolutely. Um, really interesting. So I guess moving on to the, the third question. Um, so the third question is, what's something you feel you've got right in 2022? Um, and what's something you feel you've got wrong? Um, and this is the question that I think always sparks the most interest amongst listeners, because it is the question where there's a, I guess, a, a, a necessity to be fairly authentic and admit error. Um, but I mean, to give some context around this, as a leader in a, in a business or as a um, as part of a leadership team within a business, I think, you know, it's impossible to get everything right. Um, and now more so than ever, from what we've seen as a, you know, technology recruitment business, some of the decisions, I think Khaled highlighted um, how organizations' priorities at the beginning of 2022 was talent retention and talent attraction in a highly competitive market. And we've seen instances where candidates have been offered, particularly within certain fields, software engineering being one that immediately springs to mind, um, candidates getting offered, you know, 40% salary increases and by an organization um theoretically accepting that offer and then being offered another 40 percent um as a counter offer to remain at their existing organization it's obviously a huge inflation of um compensation and you know it's a leader's decision a lot of the time um whether to you know move move towards a counter offer whether to offer you know highly inflated salary increases um and the the decision then could have an impact towards the end of the year when it comes to the decisions that leaders are having to make now when it comes to layoffs. So, for example, if you if you as a leader had, you know, um, advocated significant salary increases or advocated um, offering external candidates significant bumps on salaries to secure the right talent, um, that would increase your cost base. Um, and whether you're a large organization or a small organization, if you're making decisions now on layoffs, which impact people um, across the business, those decisions at the beginning of the year could have had a direct impact on a number of people being let go at the end of the year. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not citing any specific examples. There's no organisations who've given us any um, you know indication that that has been the case. However, I, I just wanted to highlight an example which would be very um, relevant in in the um, the experience we've had of um, of the 180 transition from priorities of leaders and particularly within talent 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 acquisition or talent attraction at the beginning of the year to to now when people are talking about layoffs, the, the 180 transition um, and the decisions of leaders and how leaders are now being kind of called to task on some of those um, decisions that have been made throughout the year. So, you know, I'm not trying to guide you on a question or trying to lead you down the route. I just wanted to give an example of, you know, the challenges that that are in existence for leaders of, of small and large businesses, you know, divisions of large businesses or, you know, leaders in small businesses. Um, and how sometimes being a leader in that type of business can be quite a lonely place because your decision is never going to benefit everyone 
equally. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, empathy for leaders, um, certainly on, um, you know, public forums, social media um, is, is lacking um, in some instances, because I don't think there's a level of malevolence in many of the leaders that I speak to. Um, it's, it's more, you know, a genuine compassion for staff, but the decisions that have to be made are the decisions which benefit the long-term survival of the business. Um, and often that they're not decisions which positively impact everyone. So I think this question in particular is probably one that's quite um, quite relevant now and quite interesting to our, our kind of community. So I guess if we if we start with Ashley this time around, what, what's something you feel you've got right in 2022 and what's something you feel you've got wrong? Look, I, 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 I think in, in terms of right, uh, the focus I've had, and I should probably lead on wrong because, you know, sort of one of them is probably not taking a full-time job off of seeing the context of where we're heading now. But, uh, uh, you know, I've focused on this vision for a reason. Uh, I think one of, and it's probably not a mistake, but just an adjustment of perspective. And I think this parallels with a number of people across sectors right now, you know, and that is we've, we've potentially underestimated the gravity of impact that we could be facing moving forward, you know, from both the workforce perspective and just sort of how we work with people, you know, and, and you know, we've sort of talked about all those angles, but, but so, I think, you know, sort of being ready for that, um, you know, and I, I don't think anyone has been ready for this, you know, and this is where we are now sort of trying to do the best we can and still do it in a careful and respectful way. So that's that that's probably my answer, you know, on the wrong side, but, but on the right side, um, I think for me personally, it, it is this provision of sort of just in time leadership in a way, um, you know, my sense is that um, you know, on our sense, even in 6.1, is that multiple players need these ad hoc sprints uh, with senior support or with ad hoc support. And and our sense is the ability to quickly mobilise leaders and teams is going to become even more important as we get into these contingent emergencies. And, and uh, most businesses may not be able to, from a runway perspective, carry senior FTE, back to your point, Jake, around, you know, some key decisions that need to be made at the point of entry. And if someone's stepping out of, you know, potentially sort of having change roles from a long-term, fairly comfortable sort of corporate existence to dro dropping into another activity, you know, in a startup-based environment, that's a very different equation economically. Uh, and, you know, there is a certain risk profile that may not suit certain people's life conditions. So there's a real balance there. And I think, um, you know, here's an opportunity where where we already have, you know, a, a, a an, you know, an amazing pool uh, even in Singapore, some amazing talent out there, and you know, and it's about sort of how we think about employing that a bit differently. So that's that's that that's kind of my view. Is uh, you know, I I think that's the right way to think, and you, you know, would certainly welcome conversation around that. Yeah, I agree. And um, you know, before we come to Canada, I guess we've seen um, an increase in um, consulting or you know interim um, engagements, not only for individuals but sometimes for entire teams of you know two three people to come on board, complete a piece of work, um, yeah. and and move out. And we've actually engaged an advisor ourselves, you know, as a as a recruitment business, somebody that I used to work with who moved out of recruitment about a year ago and into a COO role um, in a large company over the last year. And he helps us on a 
you know, a part-time basis. And it's been invaluable because um, it's enabled him to develop some leaders in our business and enabled me to focus more on, you know, the commercial side. So I agree that that kind of flexible workforce, which has historically been quite challenging in Singapore due to visa, visa restrictions and a perception that, um, you know, a flexible workforce only exists at the sort of grassroots level and not at the more senior level where more mature contingent um, work, working environments like you know London or or Sydney, um, the you know the contracting or the um, consulting um, market is probably uh, you know more um, readily um, engaged by organisations looking to achieve what you what you talked about. Um, Khalid, um, I guess some something um, some thoughts from you on um, what's something that you've got right in 2022 and what's something that you've got wrong. Yeah, so I think uh, back to what Ashley was, was saying around, you know, people who transition, this business a lot with me from the corporate world to a startup environment. The risk profile uh, is obviously different, but uh, beyond the risk profile around losing your income and trying to recoup it over time, uh, there's also the way you operate on a daily basis. So I moved from having a senior role with a large team of people and hence my focus was was mainly, well, I, predominantly on three buckets, hiring. I spent 30% of my time hiring the right talent because I know that if I hire people better than me, uh, life would be easier and this is, is the better outcome for the, the organization. Uh, second is, is strategy, like strategize, you know, being very clear about where you want to lead your team, where you want to take it. And third is execution, uh, which also means uh, being close to your clients uh, from that standpoint. So I, I transitioned to a very, you know, nimble environment where I was by myself uh, to start with. The first, uh, the first month I was I was alone, and hence what I think I got right is being resourceful. And uh, again, back to what Ashley was mentioning about senior people losing their jobs, I was lucky enough. It was uh, it was advice from someone who probably Ashley knows, uh, who was uh, the CEO and founder before me two three years ago. Um, get the right advisors, and hence some of the people who have who, who lost their job, they had time and they had expertise. They were more than just a name and a picture in my pitch deck to investors. They were like more involved in helping me execute and deliver as advisors. And uh, I was able to uh, to be lucky to have four of those, uh, which was super useful for me. Which leads me to the second point, uh, which I think I did not too badly, which is being a magnet. Being a magnet, I convince and have that infectious um, conviction that this is something that is purposeful, it's going to be big, it's meaningful, it's not going to fail uh, tomorrow, might fail at some point, hopefully not. And that applies to the advisors we talked about, it applies to employees, it applies to, um, to investors, to being able to to attract people and uh, and rally them around the vision uh, and be ch you know cheerleader to 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 make uh, things uh, move ahead. And lastly, on what went well, uh, I know like I'm reflecting on the positives more than the negatives, but I'll get back to it in a sec. Um, what made all of this possible is emotional energy. Again, something that Ashley has has um, you know mentioned earlier. Like it's a roller coaster being a startup founder. You wake up a day and you're the king of the world because the client says yes and uh, you're super happy. 
the following day you wake up, uh, you feel really, really bad because the product doesn't work, whatever that might be. So being able to kind of fuel back that energy to, to, to keep going. And if you lose it, then nothing happens around you. You lose that uh, power of attractiveness and you lose that uh, resourcefulness. Now, to be very succinct, I know that we are, uh, we don't have a lot of time, but on the wrong side of the challenges, I would say the biggest one I have still at the moment need to fix it is how do you create a team dynamic when people are working remotely, especially from different locations. They don't see each other, they don't see you. And um, how do you avoid be becoming too transactional and still having that vibe of being a team? And it's still working progress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've done a couple of podcasts actually in this series around um, leading teams remotely and the challenges of that, particularly you know towards the beginning of the year. So, you know, if anyone was interested in that specific um, topic that that Khaled picked up on, um, reach out and I'll um, I'll send the the links to those podcasts. Um, so final question, um, and I guess um, no one has a crystal ball, but it'd be great to hear your, your opinions on um, what do you see as your biggest challenge as a leader in 2023? Um, so um, I guess going to, to Ashley on, on this one, um, what, what would you see as your biggest challenge as a leader in 2023? Uh, look, I, I, I do think it's the, you know, it's that margin of error for the forward decisions that we make around resource allocation and what we do, particularly right now. So, you know, it is about ensuring runway, uh, but particularly making sure we've got the most relevant service provision uh, to the market as it stands. And that's, I mean, that's the sort of basis to sort of ensure some runway. And then particularly then, um, you know, the critical relationships, the people side um, is, is the biggest piece. Uh, and then, of course, the resilience that we can continue, you know, to sustain, uh, you know, a degree of momentum and, and build, uh, you know, in this situation so that, um, you know, we can help other businesses sustain pace and momentum and avoid atrophy, you know, that can be more fatal to their businesses. So, again, I mean, if I can just reinforce that, it is about runway uh, and the most relevant services in the time and, and best bang for buck for resilience. Fantastic. Um, I think there'll be a lot of challenges in 2023. So, Khaled, um, what do you see as your biggest challenge as a leader um, in 2023? Yeah, we're going to spin your question a little bit and call it as a, as a leader of an early stage startup. Mm. And the reason why I'm spinning it that way is because I cannot focus on profitability. We are pre-revenue. So I guess in my case, the challenge would be to still drive growth because otherwise the startup doesn't need to exist if it's not growing. While, you know, back to Ashley's point, being result, like being mindful of sustainability and last long enough and don't destroy too much capital because you never know when you're going to get more of it. So striking that right balance of growing, well, managing your cash position, but still growing fast enough to make this worthwhile. Otherwise, I would be wasting my time is basically the, um, the equation that I need to, to kind of optimize over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. So 
absolutely fascinating to listen to to both of your thoughts um today on on the topic of leadership in a downturn i think um you know particularly prevalent with what's going on at the moment is there anything else that you'd want to add um either ashley or, or khaled um to to kind of conclude the discussion today yeah look firstly if, if you don't mind khaled i'll, I'll go first but uh, um Firstly, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, really appreciate it. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, as many of us across the different ecosystems can sort of share our experiences and ideas and resources and things. But if I could just sort of add, um, with this growing psychology of downside, you know, it's unfortunate this is going to continue to build because it's unfortunate and hot news. Um, I, I think that that keeping that energy and the mindset is going to be, a, you know, absolutely critical moving forward. So the more we share this type of context, you know, be it podcast or discussions or meetings and otherwise, the better. You know, I think it's healthy to sort of um, join join forces where we can around this topic uh, because it's not going to be easy, but it's certainly there's a ton of opportunity out there as well. So thank you. Yes, so thanks, uh, Jake and, and Ashley for the great conversation we had. Um, so what I would be concluding with is, um, although things seem gloomy and, and basically there is, like we're an equal chamber, but the more you hear about it, the more it becomes reality and the more it amplifies you know, the, the environment. People are waiting for things to worsen that we, we don't necessarily know. I would say we should embrace this to the extent it's, it's possible because what, what you cannot control, you need to accept. But um, I think my advice to people around me is to embrace it as an opportunity to reinvent yourself. Uh, a lot of people were bored at their jobs before the downturn, before losing it. So now if they're losing it, it might not be like a bad outcome, putting aside the financial situation, hopefully they have enough savings to kind of, you know, live um, for a certain of time, a period of time without too much uh, strain to, the, to their families. But uh, beyond that, take this time to think about what, what else you can do, how you can be happier and how to rebound and position yourself, uh, you know, for for the what I believe to be, um, you know, the the uh, you know upward uh, path ahead of us. I'm an optimistic guy, as you guys can. can <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, thanks again, um, both both Ashley and Khaled. It's been um, absolutely brilliant speaking to you today. I think um, a load of interesting insights there for for our community of listeners to to take um, take ideas from, take um, heed of, and you know, obviously, you know, concluding comment from Khaled is is one of a, a positive mindset. Um, you know, carrying us all through um, what will be a challenging period. So, you know, thank you. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange. Um, Brilliant speaking to both of you today, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this podcast. <laughs>